0: Cthonic aspects. Oh yeah,
1: underground and about dead people. Thonic,
2: but according to, you know, yeah, the pronunciation guide I found. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I
0: thought just thought Cthulhu. That's
2: That's why I had to go look it up. I was like, "Holy shit, is this like the same root?" So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, so many exciting things today.
1: I opened so many Wikipedia tabs for this episode.
2: Oh man. I had like five.
1: <laughs> yeah. There were rabbit holes that I went down. It was, it was kind of fun. This I might be able to stretch this out for a little bit. <laughs>
2: yeah. You're a, you're a researcher. You did a good job. So,
1: <sighs> well, I did a good job. Copy and pasting Wikipedia into a single document that I can kind of sort of Shh. scroll down through. Research. Yeah. Him, How do you think I got check- to college? <laughs> yeah, have them check
2: the bibliography before they start throwing stones. <laughs> right.
1: So uh, you did not get through college
3: by me posting links in the Discord for you to then read. That is not how the college worked for you. Way not know you then.
2: It it would have been a different hymn, probably. I mean, group projects are a thing still. So <laughs> yeah, my research always did
1: start with Wikipedia, and then where do I go? Right. Often more Wikipedia, to the cited and,
2: stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, to the to the sources in Wikipedia, <laughs> so that you get primary sources. So Mm
1: -hmm. that and Wolfram Alpha got me through college. Our topic today, uh, research wise, is the wild hunt and the Earl King. Because even though we've talked about them, I don't think we ever went into like the actual history of anything. Just the general history. Yeah,
2: we kind of came about it from uh, an offhanded way too, right? Because it's like we had some random question in our notes about how this connects up to like the FBI and all of that stuff. And then we were like, wait, have we ever actually even just talked about him? So
1: why don't we just start with that? Right. So I figure we start with the wild hunt and then go to the Earl King because he fits into that so neatly versus the wild hunt is so broad. It is in so many places of the Germanic and Britannic origins. The whole point of the Wild Hunt, well, as we're familiar with uh, Kringle leading it, uh, join, hide, or die, it is a sign of either an omen, someone's going to die, possibly you, possibly a king, and it is a bad thing. You want to run away, stay in some place that's safe, uh, which, what is safe is questionable depending on your rules and whatever you are. Homestead laws probably work, churches possibly. Not always,
2: so... One one of my favorite things from one of the Scandinavian traditions was the fact that it's like if your house got built on what used to be a road, that's a bummer. Odin don't give a shit. He didn't check Google Maps before he came out here. That used to be a road, so I'm going through it, you know. Yes. <laughs> so
1: yeah. yeah. There's almost always dogs with the hunt. Dogs are used in hunting. They also make a lot of noise, and especially in the Scandinavian side, they uh one of the words that they seem to translate to noisy writers it's <laughs> it's all of the noise that you don't want to pay attention to late at night and it's scaring you and someone's gonna die
2: well it's that and then the root of the word is still like asgard based and <laughs> yeah. i'm like is that what Asgardian means to them it's just noisy fuckers you know be like those guys up in the clouds that all make all the noise that as- yeah that
1: curious, i've always been told that asgard means like as meaning god and guard meaning like the home or the garden or the wall and that's their, just their place that lives so Asgard writers make sense to me calling it noisy writers I mean yeah they're noisy but I the etymology doesn't follow to me
2: yeah it was like Asgard or something like that you know and it was just like wait a second that <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> See, it feels like the argument could be made that it just means noisy fuckers so you know or writers in this case but
1: they probably you were shouty stabby noisy. people
2: Man, freaking it figures that we grew up on Earth, we're the downstairs neighbors, right? So it's like <laughs> those guys just stomping around, punching each other, carrying on. The so.
1: thunderer. Oh, this makes a I lot mean, of sense. That's
3: how it is with everything in mythology, pretty much. <laughs> we're just the playground. Yeah.
1: And so the wild hunt, it has a lot of animals, dogs, or horses, something to ride. Sometimes there's even chariots, mm-hmm. uh, various things. It's always about someone is going to die so they are in a sense a psychopomp. It's an extension of carrying people to the land of the dead willingly or not. Um, The dogs could be the souls leaving the body into an animal form as we kind of do see in, say, cold days when uh, he shot a dog and it turned into a person. Right?
3: That was uh, deadbeat, I think.
1: It was deadbeat. I thought it had been right before he took the hunt on the pier, but. Either way. Yeah, regardless. Somebody,
3: somebody got <laughs> capped both <laughs> times, so, I'm pretty sure.
2: Right. One of them was he stabbed Santa Claus, and we know which one that was, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. And the leaders of the Wild Hunt, as we see in Cold Days, uh, can vary, and they're almost always someone of awesome power in some fashion. Odin, Kringles, yeah. Santa Claus.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, like it, it seemed like it alternated beating around the bush but, by <laughs> being directly, you know, Santa Claus and one of his geises or just one of his helpers. And I'm like, yeah, OK, it's not really a stretch to, then to be like Odin and Santa Claus. And maybe they're the same dude, you know, yeah.
1: <laughs> so. but also, I mean, he's not always in it. Like that's one of the discussions that they had in the beginning of cold days like this year, I'll do it, but not maybe not always. Um, and that's what Earl King takes it or because it seems to be the thing that he does more frequently. And they talk about like other heroes throughout time uh that could have led it, probably did lead it, dead kings that they were very beloved, or fairies or women, women fairies significantly. Right.
2: The, the the queen of Odin, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Which should be totally rad. I don't know why we don't see her. So what's she up to these days?
1: Uh well. Oscar.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: so, kind of funny, so and, said
2: yeah. Is no, because she's got a different name, even right? Because I because they name at least two others, but but yeah, yeah. I, and, I, and
1: so <laughs> that uh, yeah, uh, it was Jacob Jacob Grimm that was writing things down, kind of like this is this idea I'm calling it the Wild Hunt or Hunters in German, and uh, that all of this has these things, and it is Odin who has lost his happy side and has now become. Uh, he's lost his sociable character his near familiar features and assumed the aspect of a dark and dreadful power a specter and a devil but there is sometimes a female counterpart and he referred that to Hulda and berkta and Hulda might have been the happy one and berkta might have been the meaner one or something there's this dichotomy between the women i don't know those stories very well and i kind of left it for this one right. But if it was in a sense of an extension of Frigga, which would be interesting, because in Locus Senna, I believe it said that she had the ability to know the fates of all men, so she still gets to foresee people's death. That's what I would do. Just like saying, you're going to die this day, you're going to die that day, go suffer and live with it. Or not.
3: I'm sure some people would find peace with that.
1: One or two. Maybe All right. So Grimm got very stuck on I mean, he' seemed to really enjoy this idea and and thinking of it as a core Germanic idea that had survived throughout time, and it seems that it might be right. also it had so many variations is taken into his own local descriptions. Uh, he also said it basically did get changed with Christianity which is also probably right. Instead of being a thing that happened and it's a little bit more neutral, it became more evil in the descriptions because it had to be if it wasn't Christian.
2: Right. Yeah, they they stop being spirits and they stop being sometimes possibly benevolent and then they definitely start stealing the souls of the damned and becoming demons and shit, you know. There's definitely a tonal shift, which makes sense that it's like, if it doesn't come from the angels, it's from Satan, right? You know, so... That there goes all the magic, there goes all the, you know, druidic traditions, all of that stuff. Whoop, bye. Wiccans, right out. So, Bacons right. are
3: bad, okay?
2: Yeah, right.
1: The German stories seem to explicitly have horses that have odd body parts, like two or three or six or eight legged. Maybe not always we, named as what near. Any.
2: Yeah, it was like, yeah. we don't know any horses like that. So,
1: right. And sometimes. <laughs> Uh, the Wild Hunt is considered, it is a, a hunting party or it's like a host, more like an army, and that seems to be regionally different, not very cleanly north versus south, but it seems to pop up in those ways in the Germanic areas. And the host version might not always... I mean, it's not always a hunt. It might just go to a town, have a party, leave it destroyed.
0: <laughs> in in Durestan Files, especially like you know, uh cold days... It's it's not really specifically said roughly how big the hunt is. You just get the impression of, I would say, almost army size big, right? Because they go to fight the outsider army. Uh, so I was wondering, I was wondering if it was ever if it was ever specifically stated how big it is, e.g., Didn't... you know, by chance um...
3: I, be, I it's mostly described as like a mass. I mean, there's never really—I yeah. don't think it was ever numbers. If it was, it was definitely described as dozens. Um, huh. But I mean, because the the thing with the hunt is it, it also grows. So in and the enjoying- in the story, he's calling up spirits and specters in addition to whoever they come across that joins. So you sweep through a city, and even if only a quarter of the people join you you've got hundreds of people
2: yeah sure. um i mean maybe i'm off on my own island here but i i always thought of it as like a supercell right forming over chicago and just having obviously you've got the horses and the and the dogs coming out of it and whatever but it's massive right and it's directed mm-hmm. but it's it's a almost endless for all intents and purposes is, is the way that i understood it right i always Like, it's not like Dresden's going to get run over and they're going to stop running him over at some point, right? It's going to be some kind of, like, Looney Tunes thing that just goes on until they're done with him. Um, You know, but thinking about it in in terms of, like, dozens or, you know, how many fought the Outsiders and that sort of thing, there's obviously, like, a limited number or a limited number of them that they used for those those sorts of purposes. But it's more of a a force than it is, um, you know like it's a force of nature, not a force of an army, right? And an army has numbers, even if it's 10,000, that's a number. Whereas this is like, yeah. Okay. After the first hundred, <laughs> you know, it just becomes nature. It just becomes, you know, the wind or whatever. So.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, in the folklore and in the story, they talk about the gathering storms is what they ride on essentially. And you know,
0: that's that miles and miles, noise. Of,
3: miles and miles of weather. So, in folklore, sure
0: is it is it also date specific or era, like time of year specific? i think thinking Dresden, it's always around Halloween, right?
1: There was yeah, a well, reference to it. They but... say in, um, hmm. uh, what was it? So a lot of it seems to be in the, the fall or winter months. I don't think it has to explicitly be in what I was reading the folklore, that it didn't have to explicitly be in the cold areas or times. Uh, But there was, like, one small thing of, like, it lasted nine weeks ending on Easter. So that puts a time frame.
3: The one in the story is, you know, the way Dresden describes it to Thomas is they appear in autumn and winter usually. Usually along with storms and rough weather.
2: Right. Yeah, so there was was actually an explicit Halloween (laughs) reference as well from the Wikipedia. So um, there was something called, let's see, so... um, they use this mythology as a means of confronting the dark of nature as its process in initiation, referred to as the Wild Hunt challenge by those running it. It took place on Halloween and involved participants walking around a local area of woodland in the daytime and then repeating the task as a time competition at night. Right. So there's, it's not the hunt. It's people, you know, celebrating it or or whatever. But um, it also had to do with Gwynapnud's. Um, hunting grounds right so so it's like a larp i guess you know to be a nerd and just to own that for a minute but um there's clearly a a connection to halloween there but it's still kind of soft compared to everything else right like it's not Mm -hmm. always halloween it it clearly to me it seems like really bad storms equals the wild hunt you know because like even some of the early descriptions is like you know the the hunt is a phenomenon like you know, let's see in it. Um, they flow unseenly through the air perceptible in cloudy shapes in the roar and howl of the winds, carrying on war, hunting the game, uh, you know, hunting or the game of nine pins. You know, it's like, it's a really bad storm guys. And sometimes a tornado comes and tears your house out of the way. And that was Odin. And you shouldn't have built your house there obviously because Odin was coming through. Like that's, that's what I'm hearing, right? It's, it's great mythology. But I'm hearing the science behind it, you know, what, when I'm reading some of the, the quotes and that sort of thing.
1: But yeah, you know, the, the stronger the wind, connection Halloween and
3: to House. Halloween is probably due to the fact that these people like to go out and test their metal when they can die type of deal. So that's mm-hmm. more of a story thing. You know, Odin and the Earl King, especially, are going to be like, oh, this, all right, we can have some fun now. <laughs> right. And that's that's the day they can do it.
1: So, onto that point, there was a written. Somewhere, I can't remember by who, uh, specifically, if a person stands up to the hunters, he will be punished. If he helps the hunt, he will be awarded money, gold, or most often a leg of a slain animal or human, which is often cursed in a way that makes it impossible to be rid of. In this case, the person has to find a priest or magician able to ban it or trick the wild hunt into taking the leg back by asking for salt, which the hunt cannot deliver.
2: Sorry, got no salt, so... They're just having such a good time. There are no salty people here. So,
1: in many versions, a person staying right in the middle of the road is safe during the encounter. I, don't I noticed understand.
2: that too. I was like, "Yeah, that's that's a fun detail, you know." And stupid Thomas, he went and ate people, and all he had to do was get in the middle of the road. Geez, so
1: yeah. <laughs> There's another one. I think it was in the Scandinavian that said that. Um, the hunt was always going to be a few feet above the ground. So if you yes. fell flat, you'll be safe.
2: Right. Which, you know, wind, tornado again. So, yeah.
1: but. There is a, a sense of a kind of punishment possible it, with the, the Germanic stories of like, if the there is prey mentioned explicitly for the hunt to be hunted down. It is often a woman, whether guilty or innocent, sucks to be her. Um, And then there's others, like, uh, a nobleman who dares hunt on the Sabbath will find both a curse and a pack of demons deep in the woods of, like, how dare you violate Sabbath rules? Whatever. Like, don't violate the rules and the hunt won't come after you. Sort of. Not always.
2: Right. Yeah. They'll, They'll definitely go after you if you're fucking off the rules. But if you're innocent, you know, shit happens. So... And that's, I mean, that's another thing that you just see, like, in folklore and and stuff anyway, right? Wicked people get punished. If you're not following the rules, you're a wicked person, so you're going to get punished. But, you know. Well, I mean, I don't know what's more wicked than
3: being a woman, so
2: (laughs) it works out fine. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. Can't wait till we get them back under control. I'm so sorry. It's sarcastic. (laughs) Don't make me, like, don't make me do a two-hour apology episode, so.
1: Scandinavian had some little weird bits of it like the Odin's hunt was heard but rarely seen and a typical trait was that Odin's dogs one would bark louder than the other and so yeah if they, I, sure okay <laughs> yeah weird very weird little detail it's just yeah. like how did you adjust the volume well, they, on your dogs?
2: no they're different breeds, obviously like one of them's like uh I don't know. Some Scandinavian breed, and the other one's like a Yorkshire Terrier or something, I don't know. Some yippy dog. Who
3: knows? A Pomeranian. I, I don't think sure. yippy dogs park, get to be
2: in the, uh... in the wild hunt.
3: Yeah, I, I'm thinking yeah. big. You got I, I mean, like, you could be a bulldog size, but that's, that's a dog that's, you know, gonna take you down.
2: Well, I mean, British bulldogs used to be, like, formidable, right? And then, until they got bred to being little more than pugs, but It's funny you mentioned, like, the the kind of dog, too, right? Because, like, I read and read and read. Nowhere did I see, you know, lions or panthers or anything else that got added to the (laughs) So I was like, all right, Jim, you're just making shit up now. So,
3: yeah. Well, these seem to be in the the folklore seems to be in climates that would not really generally have those particular. Support those things. Yeah. It's like northern Eastern Europe and then Spain just randomly.
1: But Chicago, oh, well, it makes the, sense. There's a whole bunch Spain. of Celts and Norse that went down to Spain, so they just took it with them. Um, mm-hmm. There's some parts of uh, Scandinavia say that Odin does not ride an animal like a, a horse, but he rides a vehicle, specifically a one-wheeled cart. Please tell me how that works.
2: I think that's part of the point. Like, I was <laughs> I was kind of listening to it. And I was like, man, this probably sounded so ridiculous to them back then, and it's kind of goofy to us now. But like, it's probably they're like, woo, the wild hunt is spookies coming on his one wheel for you. And it's like, okay, you know, so. Like, we've got uh, unicycles and shit now, so. He's just got Ooh. his chariot with his one wheel in the middle and he's got his, you know, legs over the cr- the side of it because you don't want to get anything caught in the wheel and, you know, just handlebars. It makes total sense. Somebody sure. draw this up. I'm not crazy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely crazy.
1: Yeah. All right. There's another detail that if uh the dogs got tired, Odin could change the hunt to being a bunch of large birds. Right. Yeah. That's Wouldn't they still be
0: tired if they have to flap wings or run? Is
3: that I, no, don't you know you get your stamina bar refilled once you shape shift.
2: Oh right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sure. This guy druids I see. so
1: yeah. Here's an, another little bit in, um, in from Smaland. It is safest to carry a piece of bread and a piece of steel when going to church and then uh, back during Yule time. Uh, the reason was that if one met a rider with a broad rimmed hat, one should throw the piece of steel in front of oneself. But if one met his dogs first, he should throw the piece of bread at it instead.
2: So I think my favorite part about this is that the description's incomplete. Because so you come across a guy with a, a white brimmed hat and you throw a piece of steel and you're like ha ha and know. now you're just both standing there and he's like I'm on a horse I can easily walk the horse over the piece of steel like no you know and then and then you just follow know the through. rules yeah you mm-hmm. just put the, the steel back in your pocket you dust it up put it in your pocket you're like well that'll teach you and then go to where go home or whatever like, or
3: you accidentally throw the bread and then he just kills you.
2: Yeah, it, unless maybe it's it just is no, like uh, just,
0: be, just be safe.
2: No, nah, I, I it's it's a shame that it wasn't like later, uh you know, in the uh, you know, centuries or that sort of thing. Because in, in as an American style, right, throwing a piece of steel means something entirely different. So I could see that absolutely working. Like if I got accosted by a dude on a horse and threw a piece of steel at him, we know the the end result of that. So. No. You miss, okay. and then he kills you
1: anyway. Nah. I try to do it on miss. a horse. I don't know. You've got yeah, like
2: but... a plus four to hit. Like it's just—it's
1: just, easy. I keep thinking about like you're right. Like the description is <laughs> incomplete. Is it throwing? Is it like holding in front of you, almost like like cross to a vampire type of like, don't touch me. I have steel. It's very fairy of them. But it's just like, what are you supposed to do at that point? <laughs> yeah. All right. But that kind of covered the descriptions of what Odin and all of his. Hold on, in. Some of his many names would do with the, the hunt because there is a, a person from uh old Britain that has been identified as being an aspect of Odin, even though it's not his, his name, is, is Herla. He was a king of the Britons uh during a Roman period, I believe. Let's see, and uh, I don't remember exactly what if they've put a where, but this is the one that uh, reliable witness said to have given the number of huntsmen as 20 or 30. And it said, in effect, that this one for nine weeks ending at Easter is a bunch of uh, riders. More on,
0: longer than the Dresden hunts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Big black horses and black he goats and hounds that were jet black with eyes like saucers. Pretty good description of like whoever these were. They were scary and they were evil and they were devils and they were there for nine weeks.
2: Except for that one time he got lost for like 300 years, right? This oh, was yeah. The this same is guy. after he came back okay yeah it's such a fey story because it's like okay well thanks for visiting i'm gonna send you home now now don't get off your horse until the the greyhound gets down and then they just don't for 300 years because he's the fey and that's how they fucking work right he didn't tell you how long it was gonna take he just said don't do the thing
1: and if you do the thing you die anything of how anything was gonna how long it was gonna take right so to describe the story, there's Hurla, king of the Britons. He meets with an unnamed dwarf king with a great big red beard and goat's hooves. And uh, he's mounted on a goat because he's cool like that. They make a pact. If the dwarf goes to Hurla's wedding, then Hurla will attend the dwarf's wedding a year later. And on the, the day of Hurla's wedding, the dwarf comes with a, a large host and a lot of gifts. And he has so much provisions, he doesn't even need to touch and so he doesn't leave them in a worse state. He's a very good guest that way and then a year later hurla goes over to the dwarf uh let's see they pass through a high cliff into darkness and then enters a realm seemingly lit by lamps because the dwarfs live underground just like the fae do and the ceremony lasts for three days it's a good party hurla leaves and the dwarf gives him hunting animals and in particular a small bloodhound advising him that no man should dismount his horse before the dog leaps down And that seems to be a thing in old fairy stories of like, don't touch the ground until you have some indication that it's safe or else you will die. He didn't tell you that you will die, but they get to see it when someone doesn't uh, follow the rules.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, it's been about 50 years, so I think I'm going to get out. And they're like, (laughs) what the hell just happened to Jenkins? Did he just die? Well,
3: this is what you have kids for. (laughs) So you chuck them off the horse and make sure the ground is safe.
2: Well, in, in 300 years, you've got time to make some spares, too. So, yeah.
1: so When Herla comes back, and he's talking to an elderly shepherd. He's asking for news of his queen, mm-hmm. and the old guy says, uh, I can barely understand your speech, for I am a Saxon, and you are a Briton. The Saxons have since invaded since he has left and uh, taken over, and there was a, a queen of the name that Herla was mentioning, but her husband had disappeared, never to be seen again. Uh, and so... Hurla still has the dog, dog hasn't uh, dismounted, people did die until they realize that, stay on the horse until the dog indicates, and now they're stuck, as a host, riding horses, running around, doing old Britain things.
3: Because the floor is lava, and horses can walk <laughs> on the lava. It's the longest game of that it's in recorded human history,
1: as far as I can tell. Nice. So Vesuvius the fucked it up. They they, they, <laughs> they, they, couldn't. They couldn't handle it. Yeah, there's some notes that uh, the Hurla's band plunged into the river Y during the first e- year of the reign of King Henry II, which would have been 1154, and has never been again seen again since.
2: That's sad. Yeah. That's how these things go. Yeah. Well, that. at least
3: we know they weren't witches because they didn't float. They really got that going for them, which is nice. Right. Which
1: is nice. Right. So someone that we are familiar with and have already talked about some was Gwynapnus, uh, the Welsh king of the fairies, the king at with Tig, uh, or the fair folk. He's the ruler of the other world, also known as Anun. I think I'm pronouncing things right. I'm very sorry if I'm not. <laughs> But we've seen him because he was the short story of curses that had cursed the Cubs from winning the World Series. And also, now, that, now that he's dead. It, yeah, it was
2: like, he's also kind of dead
1: now. Uh, yeah. But, uh, Enya and Korb had thrown his decapitated head at Mab when they stomped in the peace talks. But the with Tig were also the people that had done some of the protections on what is now Castle Dresden and so it was also a deliberate insult of the fact, I killed the person that you used for safety. Be afraid.
3: Right. And then only everybody was afraid. Yeah. Everybody except Mad.
1: Yeah, no, like, I'm pretty
3: sure she was disconcerted and then got kicked through several walls and was further disconcerted.
1: Which she channeled in just being massively pissed off. After,
3: in the moment though, you're like, that was unpleasant. Yes. <laughs>
2: I'm mildly put out.
3: Yeah, mildly put out was when, you know, the two ladies and all their retinue are on top of Demon Reach ready to blow it open and she goes, Cease this rudeness. That's, <laughs> that's being mildly dis- <laughs>
2: disquieted. Yeah. You're about to blow up the world, really, guys. Like, cease Could this you be rudeness. more rude?
1: <laughs> that's great. Gwyn is in the mythology described as a great warrior with a blackened face, which I did not find any description of what that actually means. Like, was he wearing a mask? Was he, like, for camouflage at night? I don't know. Or why only the face? So uh,
2: under the ice. It could so be. Maybe just really into eyeliner.
1: After you go down a country
3: road with all the bugs and he gets dirty. And it's very...
1: Gwyn is uh, the prime psychopomp of Welsh mythology, explicitly. He carries the dying people to the land of the dead, the other world. Uh, Let's see. There's a a poem. So, who carried him? uh, Found. Hmm? Who carried him?
3: Yeah, he's dead now. Uh, Corb. No, I think Corb probably just ate the rest of them. Oh, that's possible. He seems like the type.
0: Oh, when you're peckish, you're peckish.
3: Yeah, but he left the part, the best part behind. What the hell? Yeah.
1: That was his gift to Mab.
3: Mab wasn't hungry. No, she wasn't. It was wasteful.
1: In the Black Book of Karmathan, assuming I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Gwyn returned from battle and is talking to other people. I'm going to try not to say because it's complicated. <laughs> um... It relates Why didn't we hire
3: a Welsh person?
1: I don't. If I don't know of any, if anyone knows how to pronounce these things, give me some recordings. I will try to whatever. But it's like, I I don't know. I know that the D's are probably F sounds, and so but is it no I don't know. Um, but there are other people. Uh, he's, he's talking. He was relating his exploits in the battlefield as a psychopomp, and he said explicitly, "I have been where the soldiers of Britain were slain from the east to the north. I'm the escort of the grave." I have been where the soldiers of Britain were slain from the east to the south. I am alive, they in death. He's the hero mm-hmm. of hosts. I come back from battle and conflict. And is the closest that they have to Valkyrie in Welsh, I guess. The idea of taking people from battlefields. Not and he also explicitly l- has hounds.
2: Not nearly enough L's to be a, a Welsh word. Valkyrie.
3: So... So I guess W's. ghouls are like Valkyries, right? Because they they happily take corpses. I mean, they don't really bring them anywhere except to eat. But they they're transporting the dead. No,
2: no, it, it works. I mean, they might be like a foil if you want to entertain
3: that. But no, like, no, I think yeah. they're I think they're the good guys here. I yeah, yeah, yeah. From I your scale, they're... I'm sure you know. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
3: Well, where do they rank on the uh, necrophilia scale? That we,
0: yeah, that's that's what question. I was saying.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> brought it back.
3: Uh, what Gwyn- like a,
2: they're like a fifteen out of ten, aren't they? Because <laughs> I think eating was pretty high up there, I'm pretty sure.
3: So <laughs> again, that's just not being wasteful.
1: So uh Gwyn explicitly had a hound named uh Dormarth, if I'm pronouncing this right, and he's uh seems to be acute. Hunting hound that has a ruddy nose. It's very explicit that he has a ruddy nose. Whatever that means. It's important. It is very important apparently. And again, in the Welsh folklore, the baying of hounds means that someone's going to die quickly. It is not a good sound. But uh, in the Cornwall, there's also the Devil's Dandy dogs. I don't. It's such a, a weird name. It's like the story seemed to be that there was a prince named. Dan, or a priest named Dando, and he wanted more alcohol, and so he kept demanding someone give him alcohol, and it's like, go get it, and then the the dogs will help you, and then it's just dogs running around, and it's akin to the the Wild Hunt, just with a funnier name.
0: Red knows it's fucking girls fucking Rudolph, too.
3: Well, I mean, that's yeah a healthy red color, but the informal British one where it's talking about bloody seemed to be more apt to the fact that it's a bloodhound or whatever.
1: It's possible.
3: And, you know, they're wandering around signaling the death of people. That seems more apt. And it's Welsh, which is British adjacent. And was Britain. And still is Britain. Depending
1: on is britain but it, yeah mm, british adjacent
3: i'll let the welsh hear you say that
1: yeah well they
3: can't hear me because they live in a place that doesn't have the internet
2: um that's not entirely true
1: i'm sure we probably have someone who knows welsh that listens to us and that person is not being very upset <laughs>
3: I, don't, I don't want it to people we, a, it's okay if they're upset with us so it's all good yeah, I know one or two people on another Discord server that are Welsh, and making fun of them for that fact is, is a great joy to me.
1: So, I, there's always hounds in the hunt, and, and Dresden first, and I'm thinking of hounds, I think of Leah. How is Leah connected to the hunt, other than being connected to Mab, which is connected to Kringle? And, you know, as there are ways of seeing degrees of connection, but this thing about hounds, Kind of I mean, stood out to me. Hunting hunting
3: hounds are kind of key to a lot of a lot of that, especially that area, you know, Britain and, and the north and all those places would definitely have used hounds like that. But if we're talking about tenuous connections, I got no problem thinking she's probably joined every once in a while. Oh. Seems like her shtick. Yeah.
2: She wasn't always the queen of air and darkness, so
3: no, no, Leah. Leah, both, oh, Leah. Uh, both, honestly, but um... I mean, Mab might have when she was like the lady or something, just to you know, when she had more free time available
0: to her in right. her frivolous youth. I
3: mean, if depending on how literally you take Mave's descriptor of herself as Mab's good little hunting falcon, that's something that would easily <laughs> that kind quite of
2: quite possibly literally, as we found
3: out. Yeah. These, so I mean, you know, if you're the if you're the lady and these are certain duties, you might. You might join every once in a while just to, to get some life experience. But as we know, Summer is not really into that. My namesake doesn't join.
1: Hmm. It'd be pity pity. I it'd be interesting to see him. I wanted to see him do more things, honestly. He was fun. But, um, on to Hearn, Hearn the Hunter. Hearn's the name that we know of the Earl King, but uh, are they the same person in history? That will be very interesting to know um her and the hunter was written about explicitly in william shakespeare's 1597 year play the merry wives of windsor and that seems to be the first time it was written down it might have been a local story but probably not written of as as a story very much before then he's a ghost that haunts the windsor area in berkshire he's said to have antlers growing from his head he rides a horse torments cattle and has rattle chains to scare people
2: which is another thing that i find funny where it's like when we're modern sensibilities were terrified by children and old people right for whatever reason back then it was rattling chains that's when you knew spooky shit was going down so Only bad i mean the, people were in chains yeah yeah the the milk in the blood thing don't get me wrong that would freak anybody out right but the uh you know the rattling chains. I think is a hilarious detail that kind of gets focused on. So,
3: well, I don't know. I mean these these things are supposed to herald sometimes the death of children or stealing away children. I think they had a healthy fear of children back then too. It's not just now. Yeah. yeah.
1: So this, I mean, the yeah the descriptor that uh, Shakespeare gives is uh he was an old hunter or keeper of the forest and during the winter time and around midnight he will walk around an oak with ragged horns and he blasts at the trees and he takes the cattle and then he uh the remaining milk cows he'll make them yield blood instead of milk and shakes a chain in the most dreadful manner and that's the tale of hern <laughs> and it seems to be a story to to scare children of he's going to come at you if you don't do good things probably and whether it's Hern or Horn, it could it has variations in terms of the name, but the point was it's it's kind of a common name at the especially at the time, so it was just like John Smith, the dead guy, is gonna come at you.
3: Right.
0: So they're about to say John Wick.
1: Sure. <laughs> also not wrong.
0: I mean, he's he's a John Wickish uh fellow. Yeah. Well, like, Pateraga, got,
1: uh... yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: Hearn the hunter the same thing basically
1: right more of the story seems to be that Hearn um have seems to have committed some great offense and so he killed himself by hanging on a tree and it seems to be noted that because it was a suicide that fits the traditional belief that it, that death is more likely to produce a haunting and suicides aren't significant especially hanging on a tree that's not significant at all
2: right an oak tree you know mm-hmm. getting knowledge and wisdom. I don't get it. That's, yeah, that's
1: fine. Maybe he lost an how, eye.
2: Yeah, how many eyes?
1: <laughs> it seems to be an unusual thing for the ghost of the being talked about in that time period, of doing so much damage. He was uh, unusually fearsome—not just something that's scary, but like the the blood and the milk is particularly uh, scary to them. Obviously, it would be, but like that was not seen, seen in other stories. Terrifying.
3: Imagine how many lactose intolerant people he scared back in the day.
1: There is a story from um, William Harrison's Ainsworth, a novel from 1843 called Windsor Castle that featured Hearn, and that one included that Hearn had been gored by a stag and died, only to have the devil save him on the condition that he wear the stag's antlers. And that's why he wears the antlers,
2: which is a really odd condition. But you know, I, I I have a tough time finding somebody who wouldn't agree to that, right? You know, be like, do you? Mean, ma- I,
3: can you understand how hard it would be to go through a doorway having to wear that all the time? That's a major as, inconvenience.
2: As an over six foot tall person, I am aware of having to duck through doorways. So yeah.
3: So now you're adding a stag helmet. I mean, forget it. You'd never yeah, get in I'm out, anywhere.
2: I'm out in the woods. Forget yeah. about it. It's the one. Well, this life. is
1: why he can't go inside the houses. That's why you're safe in your houses and not in the woods.
2: I'm such That's a nice. better hunter. His head. I'm such a better hunter because the deer think I'm one of them. So, like, it just makes sense.
3: Well, then those deer are very stupid.
2: Yeah, they're deer.
3: <laughs> are you saying
2: deer aren't intelligent creatures? I'm saying if you run into a smart deer, you fucking run. <laughs> so... so uh, <clears throat>
1: Jacob Grimm seems to have been the first one that connected the idea of Hearn the Hunter to the wild hunt, but that kind of took off in terms of associations, as we know. In the 20th century, further details were added to the legend over time, including the idea that his ghost appears shortly before natural disasters and the death of kings, because that's what the hunt does. It is bad people, or bad things happen, people die, be scared. And then uh, the name of Hern might be an older name connection to the Gaulish deity of Kernu uh, nos Kernu which Kernu might probably meant horn in the old Latin or Indo-European, and with Grimm's Law, it changed from a, a k sound to an h sound, and so Hern and Cornu are the same word, meaning horn. And this person was a. Uh, Arlo Thompson, who wrote in a 1929 book, he said, uh, my assumption is that these two forms have been derived from the same Paleolithic ancestor and can indeed be regarded as two aspects of one central figure, which will help us understand the identification of herlachan and hern as the most familiar examples of the huntsman. That Kernonos was also a horned god of the Gaulish thing. I don't think we know a lot of him, except that he was very important to a bunch of the Celtic Gauls. And he had horns.
0: Who
3: he was. Oh, I mean, yeah, seems like the kind of thing that'll probably come up in the books at some point, but
2: Mm -hmm. yeah, he also ran around with the magician. That was the line before that quote. (laughs) That was the one where I was like, This is a little bit on the nose, isn't it? So,
1: in any case, the reader may be prepared to recognize Kernanos and the older magician who emerged as the wild huntsman, an older magician. But that's the only description. It's like, who could right. that be? Tell me.
3: <laughs> yeah, Tell definitely me. not a guy who hung on a tree. Do the same. No doubt. No, no. Yeah, or or his protege, you know, or his protege, yeah, or the protege. Well, his protege in mythology, at least, is based off of him, anyway, right? Because Merlin is just a derivative of Odin, basically. Right. Obviously, in the story, they're two different people. Well, theoretically, they're two different people, unless he just decided, like he was Beowulf, that he wanted to be Merlin. But probably not this time, anyway.
1: So that brings us to the Earl King, which was kind of our starting point for wanting to do this research. At least, sort of. Earl King is a old Germanic type of figure that uh gets mostly written down in the 17 and 1800s but the idea of him had been around for a a long time he is a sinister elf or fairy that lingers in the woods he stalks children who stay out too long and can kill them in a single touch
3: see this is another good halloween connection because you're always out and about on halloween as a kid Mm mm-hmm
1: so the earliest date that I've seen that has anything to do with Earl King or that whatever name that eventually became Earl King was uh, 1739. That was uh, a Danish folk ballad that Andreas can say if he wants to, but uh, translates to "Sir Olaf he rides."
0: <laughs> uh, that... I just need to see the word uh, down to the Danish origin part.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. There's a few of those, so be prepared.
0: Uh, Elekong. Sir Olaf? That's so you say that.
2: Hmm? Sir Olaf? Sir Olaf Hanrider? Yeah.
0: That one. I'm like butchering any, any of the vowels if I try to say it. Uh, Herr Olaf Hanrider. <laughs> Don't laugh at my language. <laughs>
1: Sorry. <this laughs> All <was> just... <laughs> the time. Don't have
3: such a silly language. <laughs>
1: that is not how I expected it to sound. <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. Um, So the story oh, damn, described in Sir Olaf <laughs> is uh, Olaf is writing to his marriage, but he is entranced by the music of elves, an elf maiden. Uh, in one of the translation, it's, it seems to be the Earl King or Elven King's daughter uh, appears and invites him to dance with her. He refuses and spurns her offers and gifts and gold. And she's angry, she hits him, sends him on his way, deathly pale. The following morning on the day of his wedding, bride finds him lying dead under his scarlet cloak. Like so, you do. He, yeah.
3: He's very ready in that you
1: know. scenario.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no bright cap, though. Bloody hell. You don't so
1: know that. The Danish etymology evolution seems to be from elven king, elf king, to... Earl King, in various ways, and, and there's also uh, the, one of the story by Johann Gottfried von Herder. I hope I'm saying that right. He calls it uh, Earl Konig's Tochter, which is, basically means the Earl King's daughter. But I think the Tochter can have some uh, vagueness that it could just mean maiden, like a, a woman in his service. But According to Danish legend, old burial mounds are usually the residence of the Elverkong, the elf king. The latter has been misunderstood in Denmark Mm as some antiquarians as the Alder King, Alder being a piece of a type of wood, but that feeds into the whole story of the Earl King is out in the woods and he has a name of the Wood King. The burial mounds also stood out to me because that's where the elves are in the fairies in britain anyway they're explicitly said to live in the mountains
3: yes and as we know per lord of the rings goblins are just another name for orcs that are fallen elves so it works
2: Mm-hmm. yeah that's an oversimplification though
3: okay. and, but that's what i'm here
1: for is to oversimplify <laughs> things
3: and make you cringe
2: i appreciate that then
1: the other thing about the Earl King that is extremely popular is uh, Goethe's poem called Earl Konig, which was in 1782, that describes a young boy <laughs> being carried by his father on horseback um, off to go to the Hof, which might be like a yard or a church or just a place of safety, um, but it's not a good time to travel, both the weather and it's really late. The boy becomes sick and delirious and is saying that he sees the Earl King that's reaching for him, and it's so scary, and the father says, it's it's just the weather, it's just the mist or the fog, and uh, it'll be OK. Um, the Earl King really wants him. Sometimes it's, it's described as, again, uh, the daughters. The daughters are going to take care of the boy, and he should go with him. Um, the boy gets scared, but by the time the father gets to the hof, the boy is already dead. That's the thing. If the Earl King is going to kill your babies with a single touch, um, the poem that Gotha had wrote was written to music by Schubert in 1815. And Schubert is significant as well because he's the one baby. who wrote the Winterreise, and he died in the mid-1800s at the age of like 30.
3: He's a baby daddy to some, some fairy chicks.
1: Mm-hmm. So the fairy chicks that might be showing up with the Earl King got popularized by the musician in part by the musician that also might have been the baby daddy and also died tragically at a way too young age after writing about Winter's rule.
3: I don't see the connection.
2: Yeah. Okay. Shouldn't have enough. been
3: dealing with the Fae. Yeah, if only somebody had written several manuals about it.
1: <laughs> so why is Earl King connected to the FBI? I, I That's what think. I was
0: thinking.
2: Like, this why, whole why time, is
1: <laughs> to the FBI?
2: yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't get enough, like we don't get enough background and that sort of thing. Because like, so the, the original speculation, just to kind of circle back around to that was like, you know, we had a, a question we'd written down brainstorming years ago, which is like, you open a portal in the cafeteria to from the Chicago FBI building in their cafeteria and you wind up in the Earl King's cafeteria, in his great hall, right, where they're all chowing down and shit. Why? Why did that happen? And is it just the Chicago office or is it all FBI field offices? And what qualities would the FBI and the Earl King have in common, right? Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's there's a, a decent chunk of people that think that the FBI are a bunch of little goblins anyway. <laughs> but I don't see, like, how you've got, like, these evil hunting goblin critters with these, with their dark cunning and that sort of thing as they're described in the Dresden Files and where that, you know, lines up with, like, Tilly's Oak, right? You know, like, I just, I don't see a connection, so.
0: The only, the only connection I can kind of see is, you know, the, the Earl King often runs to hunt. He likes, he hunts things. The FBI hunts down all kinds of criminals and stuff like that. Stuff like that I can kind of find a logical correlation between, but it's kind I mean, of fitting.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, that's not terrible, right? You know, that it's like if you do bad shit, the hunt is gonna get you. That sounds a little bit like bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna, you know, so you can't kind of get the cadence hmm. there, but <laughs> you know, it's just like um and I guess the FBI is an extension of that. So it takes it a step further. Does that mean in every every precinct in every police station in the country, you could open a portal and wind up in the Earl King's lair. Um, you know, like, uh, I don't know.
1: Well, so. Like a sense of probability and how the ways work. Probably not. Um, right. Like, because, so when he had made the portal, he ended up in the Earl King, but like several feet off the ground, right? Like they fell. Sure, And sure. so the connection Very was not- even magic, though. fair enough but also just like the the connection is from this section of the building to that section of open space and it's not very easy it's not like a wall to a wall where it feels really really connected and it could be as simple as uh, uh, that there's so many three-dimensional spaces that the portal could be to make the connection or not like it's, right. like, it's so vague that Jim can go either way. Yes, there's a heavy connection to almost all FBI headquarters, or no, there isn't, and it just happened to be this one. This one did have things like Denton and the Wolves that maybe had more of a hunter-predatory, even corrupt feel to it. Sure. And especially whatever's happening to Rudolph, that he might be also manipulated in a sense of a hunting down the wrong person.
2: Well, and Harry also had a connection to, you know... To the Earl King himself, right? He'd already been pursued by the hunt and, you know, potentially killed a guy in in Deadbeat, is what you were saying. So, by by this point, because it was in changes, right? All of that would have happened, but not the um, Cold Days pieces. So, it's like maybe it's a connection of all of those things, but, you know, magic's sort of by intent, but also by like his emotions. So, like, maybe it's the idea of Harry is being hunted. And he's like, man, you know what would be a really bad idea is to run into the Earl King right now, who told me the next time that he saw me, he'd kill me. <laughs> you know, and just like something like that, where it's like all of these pieces had to be perfect, right? They all – Harry had to be on the run. He had to be in the cafeteria of the FBI building. He had to have cheesed off the Earl King in a previous encounter, you know, stuff like that before he finally, you know, is able to open that way. But it's just – it seems so wild that the the question on its face is like, why would that be? You know. It, so it's
0: also, I think, an important detail from what I remember. When they make a portal back, it's you know they arrive somewhere else. Uh, it's still it's still from the hall. It's basically the same place where they arrived. He makes a portal and they arrive in like a hunting store or something, right?
2: Yeah. What well, the kids. Earl King makes it right? Yeah, because the Earl is King the Earl can only. King? Wait, okay. I that thought so, be the yeah. yeah, because it's it's like Thomas, right, Thomas can only get out into a brothel, apparently, or or a club or something along those lines, and probably the Earl King can only open it up into either the woods or a hunting store in this case, because yeah, I think well, the Earl King sends them on their way, so.
3: I mean, he's got enough juice that he could probably more or less make a place to where he needed to go, I just imagine it's probably easier to do it to. Something that would have a general connection to his theme. Right. So a basketball shop
0: shot makes sense. It's a pretty excessive use of power, right? Like it's, it's, when Map makes that portal specifically to Chicago, it's a pretty big deal, is what I Doesn't
2: understand. Doesn't she Perry? lock like up it's...
0: all of the ways?
1: Yes, yeah, she locked up <laughs> like, all of the Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was like, it wasn't like a pretty big deal. It was like, this is the only way into Chicago. Not not like in the castle. <laughs> like this is the only Anywhere. way
3: into yeah, I, Chicago. I, I would not I would not <laughs> bank on him <clears throat> being able to do that. But I mean he pretty much casually waves his hand and opens this way. I wouldn't be surprised if he could just forge a connection like this fairly right. easily whether it existed or not. Cuz he's got that kind of juice. Even if he does get his upper half blown off later.
1: Hmm.
3: But it's fine. He gets better. Hmm.
1: Yeah, he does. So, do you think that the Earl King is a mantle? Sorry, I have to ask the question. Yeah. So, Hearn might be... Well, I mean, whatever it now. is...
3: Whatever he is now has a mantle of power. Insofar as he can come back like... Queens could. You
2: know? Like when he got crushed by India, mm-hmm. So...
1: Right, so I guess, and that's been a is, that's
3: been a word of Jim is that he forged his mantle in the same, you know, using a dark hallowish type thing. Huh. Hmm. So, so Hearn he might have been a person of the fifteen hundreds,
1: and then like forged his mantle over time. He might be the first of his kind. There was sure. something in one of the pages that I guess it was just on the Earl King that said that he probably was an equivalent of Oberon, like maybe the same character, but we know Oberon is gone. Because he didn't make it out of a love triangle with the queens.
2: Maybe he's the sloppy seconds, though. You know. Yeah. Until he, that gets I...
3: recontextualized as he didn't make it in this name, but in this name.
2: You're... Well, mm. even like yeah, uh, more complicated in the sense that it's like the way that I got the impression was that Mab and Titania probably like you know absorbed most of that power, right, to become the the fairy queens, but maybe there was some sloppy seconds or somebody snuck some. And that becomes the Earl King's mantle or something.
3: Yeah, I mean, if these mantles are forged based on gods and spirits and things being sacrificed on the stone table, then so if this guy, Herney, has one that's made out of Kern and the Earl King and this kind of thing where it's a lesser one, you can do it that way. But it depends.
2: Thank you for calling him Herney because now we have to have a movie weekend at Herney's
3: so thank you for
2: that
3: i'm okay with it (laughs) they carry around the dead body but with antlers on it
0: right if he created the mantle himself and uh wasn't kind of part of the original let's say kind of fey face structure of summer and winter because he's he's kind of he kind of sticks out right of that whole system and they say he like he kind of represents the wild fae, but it would make I think it actually makes more sense if he if he was someone who kind of created this mantle unto himself and kind of shoehorned his way into the system. Well, I mean, it, it helps that he's kind of this amalgamation of these
3: more pagan and wild spirits, right? So it's if you have the more. Uh, Greco-Roman gods that ended up funneling the... And the Norn stuff that ended up funneling the other two. You know, you've got all these pagan things left over that are just kind of out there ripe for the taking if they haven't transformed themselves. And the Wild Fae make up the majority of fairy. It's just... They're there.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But, I mean, the word of Jim is to kind of also you know, Summer King, and if he has to pick a side, he goes over there, even though we got the clashing general opinion in um, Battlegrounds when they're having that war meeting. Um, I forget what the exact line was that sort of did it, but anyway.
1: So out of all this research, we ultimately, the question that we actually asked, we have no idea. There is no real, answer. there's no indication. It's some decent guesses. I
2: I like the idea that it, it required a little bit of everything. So um, Dalton in the comments also um, mentioned, you know, that seems like a direct quote that I'd have to go. Yeah, I don't again. remember that
1: line, but if yeah. that was a line that would also be indicative as to how we got there, because by that point, Dresden did have the amulet and the stone.
2: Mm -hmm. Also true. Yeah. So for those not watching, um, so, you know, the the quote was, then again, Margaret used that way, uh, quote, your visit to my realm makes more sense now. So just kind of...
3: She was certainly hunted the whole time as she was doing her thing. So if this makes a general lineage connection... Or just her knowledge. Because you know she knows when these things can shift and, and where these things are better than a lot of the fairies.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah there's like an algorithm magically coded into her amulet, right? She knows where, how the ways are going to change.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, it was her some knowledge. I don't
0: know if it updates now that she's kind of
3: dead. But she... New enough to know decades in advance, it seems. So I'm sure it's going to be handy for a while.
1: So the line, he's Dalton, saying the same line might be from Battlegrounds. I mean, that's why I can't remember it changes. Yeah. But um, you know, my memory of Battleground is uh, much more weak than the other ones so far because I've read it fewer times, but... Hmm.
3: Oh, yeah, no, it's when they're, when they're looking over the but map the, and, he's, the and actually... he, he gets a mention that he's the son of, and he, that's he.
1: Yeah, there's the the discussion of Harry's amulet and Earl King like explicitly oh, I recognize that one. I know who your mother was, but it was still in subtext.
2: Hmm.
1: I do believe that's it for this episode and all the research that I have done so far unless we have anything else to add. Not to this. All right, not to this. All right. Well, uh Oh, plug things.
2: I guess. What not. are we talking about next week?
1: Nothing, as far as I can tell.
2: <laughs> all right, more freeform topics. Woo. All
1: right, because after the week, two weeks after that is when we're talking about the horror movies. But so we're giving us time, yeah, I'm, even I'm though we're all going to procrastinate until the last minute anyway. We're going to try to give ourselves time to be proactive.
0: <laughs> if you so choose. <laughs>